Hello and welcome to Grubbing in the Filth with me, Tom Sharp. How many cockroaches are there in your house right now? And, pressingly, how do you feel about it? As far as I know, there are no cockroaches in my house, though pride cometh before a fall. I've never wanted them here. I've never sought their company. Cockroaches are interesting animals, and, we must remember, varied and diverse. But this is not something which is acknowledged when we consider the cockroach, a monolithic figure of infestation, symbol of degradation, the encroachment of the vile. Cockroaches have long featured in hate speech. They're creatures to which targeted parties are compared, a way of dehumanising people and emphasising the necessity of their removal. What then leads someone to a life in which the cockroach is a cherished thing? An animal whose company is valued, not just out of scientific interest, but because they're interesting in class. And what then is that experience like, the experience of caring for cockroaches and immersing yourself in the world of the cockroach? There's perhaps even a certain bravery in being someone who wants to be around cockroaches, given the strength of feeling towards them, the sense of dirtiness through association. How, as someone living the cockroach life, does one deal with that widespread mistrust of insects? The all-too-common mistrust of those who value insect life, amplified to suit the cockroach's reputation. Today we find out, in conversation with science communicator, zoologist and cockroach keeper, Melinda Alexander-Babich. Hi, Melinda. How are you today? Oh, thank you. I'm well. And you? I'm very, very well. And how are the cockroaches? Oh, they are doing well too. I just fed them this morning and they are enjoying this nice, warm, sunny weather. Oh, that's, that's lovely to hear. Well, I'm always really excited to talk to people who, in their relationship with invertebrates, they have invertebrates that they sort of personally care for outside of outside of academic interest. You will know, and I'm sure you've been told this by many people, most people don't really like the idea of having insects in their house, especially cockroaches, right? Yes. But cockroaches being something that are quite, quite dear to you. What has been your, um, your personal and professional relationship with invertebrates then? Well, it's really interesting because um, my personal relationship started before my uh, professional interest nice. um, in, in animals in general. So... I started uh, keeping reptiles when I was 14 or 15 and uh, I had lizards and I wanted to purchase some feeder insects for them. And that's when I bought cockroaches. And just in a few short days, I, I realized that I am more interested in the cockroaches <laughs> than in the lizards. And I really felt sorry for them becoming food yeah, <laughs> for my lizards because they seemed really interesting because mm -hmm. you know before i kept cockroaches i didn't really think about insects that much like mm -hmm. i'm not an outdoorsy type person so i didn't you know caught insects or anything like that that most kids do but when i purchased these roaches they started interacting with each other and just doing their own things and it really fascinated me because i haven't thought about insects as interesting animals if that makes sense because i always thought like okay reptiles are really cool and yeah insects are just food for them but then it turned out um, the roaches can be even more exciting than the most replies i think having got into cockroaches and, and feeling sympathy for these cockroaches you then turned that into a an academic interest as well is that right yes well since um, I was so young, I really didn't know what are the opportunities 
out there to work with animals. So I decided that I want to work in a pet store because, you know, that's where these kind of animals are. And um, I started working in a pet store and immediately I got a job um, to care for um, reptiles and invertebrates. You know, I was just 15 at the time and I got the job because no one wanted the job because <laughs> no one wanted to care for like tarantulas and cockroaches uh, or even for reptiles. And so I got familiar with many uh, species and then I decided that I really just want to improve my knowledge about these animals. And that's when I decided that I, I want to become a zoologist. So that's why I decided to go to university. And I, of course, I unfortunately had to quit my job at the pet store because I had to just study so much. Um, and when I got into the university, that's when I saw you know, the research side of things, because I think doing oh, research yeah. with animals is really different uh, from from like just caring for, for animals in general. So it dif it, I think it requires a different kind of thinking, I guess. You know, early on when you were a teenager, you you had the snakes and we, we all know that, oh, uh, lizards, you said a thing. Oh, I had snakes too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And these are animals that, you know, they are still quite, a lot of people don't like them, but I would say they have, you know, they're, they're seen as quite cool, quite alternative, and they're sort of an acceptable pet, right? But you you found the cockroach endearing or interesting or, or something that sparked this interest in cockroaches, and you now have quite a lot of cockroaches, right? Yes, I think, well, about 30 different species. Right, and presumably <laughs> not individuals. Uh, now I have like thousands of cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so what was it then that about cockroaches specifically that you think is, makes them appealing for you? Well, I really don't know where um, my interest in animal behavior specifically came, specifically came. It's just, that's when, so when I, so animals doing their things in, in captivity, that's when I realized that animals in general are really, really interesting and exciting. And what was really exciting to me is seeing animals interact with each other. Uh, but if you look at uh, captive reptiles or invertebrates in general, there aren't many species that you can cohabitate. Um, so uh, that it's, I know it's a uh, there's a lot of debate going on around um, keeping, like, for example, leopard geckos together or um, tarantulas together because there are some uh, species that are considered uh, communal. But still, uh, cockroaches are a great example of an invertebrate that you can keep with, uh, keep in a group, basically. Um, because, you know, I keep reptiles. I have a chameleon, for example, which um, is, I think, um, for many people, it's one of the most exciting reptiles because it ch changes its color and um, has an interesting uh, way of feeding with uh, tongue and everything. Um, but um, it's just one chameleon by itself. You cannot keep them, um, uh, chameleons. you cannot keep them in groups um, because they're solitary animals. So although I enjoy watching my pander chameleon and I try to interact with it as a form of enrichment, um, it still doesn't do much. But with roaches, it's totally different because you keep them in a group and they're always doing something, even during daytime when they should be like resting. Um, they are just doing their thing, eating, 
scrolling around, interacting with each other. And that's uh, what is what's the most fascinating to me about roaches, that they're always doing something, but as you can imagine, you don't really know what are they doing. And that's what sparked uh, the academic curiosity, I guess, that I really wanted to understand what they're doing and why are they doing what they're doing. Um, and somehow I became interested in social behavior and the evolution of um, sociality in general. And I think roaches are interesting as pets, but they're also really interesting uh, from like a professional uh, viewpoint because we don't really know that much about them, but there are roaches that are really close relatives of termites. And we know that termites are used social animals. They have this really complex social life. But most people who are interested in uh, this kind of research are kind of neglecting roaches. Uh, and I think if um, we just understand their behavior and the social structure of different species a bit better, uh, we might have an easier way of understanding how social behavior in general evolved. It's an interesting combination. So um, my basically enjoyment of looking at this animal mm -hmm. made me think about um, what can we learn about these animals. And that's how uh, my interest in, in insect uh, behavior came. So I think when you, when you talk about how cockroaches can, can be together, a lot of people might think they see cockroaches in big groups. And that is because they are pests and they grow in big groups. And if you're using them as a food animal for a reptile, you stick them all in one big box or whatever, because we're not particularly mindful of their welfare and we don't mind if they're all thrown in together. But what you're saying is that the natural state of a cockroach is to be in a, in a sort of a social group. And that is the kind of, that's the situation they would naturally find themselves in. Yes, well, it's uh, it's interesting because um, there are about 4,000 different species of cockroaches and there are most, or most of these species we know basically nothing about. Uh, but I think there's only one species. So if you, if you look at the scientific literature, uh, if you try to read and find everything uh, about um, the behavior of roaches, um, the authors mention only one species that they think is solitary. Um, and right. of course, how do we know this? Uh, we only know this type of information because some people actually go to where these roaches live and try to collect them. And they see that, okay, I can only collect one individual. They are never in groups. So that's how they assume that this species is solitary. But in most cases, uh, you find these roaches in smaller or, or bigger groups or in some species, the small roaches, the nymphs, that they live in groups or they live with their parents. And when they become adults or larger nymphs, that's when they migrate and try to look uh, for other places to live. But in all the species that I keep, I can see some form or level of socialty. I think it's fascinating. And do you think that part of the reason that their social behavior or kind of that they're not you social in the way that I mean termites are a kind of cockroach right but yes 
but we can sort of separate them a little bit from the rest of the cockroaches. And and the majority of cockroaches aren't fully eusocial in the way that termites or ants or uh, or some bees and things are, but they have a degree of sociality. And do you think the reason that that isn't studied that much is because so much effort is spent on learning how to how to kill them, basically? Yes, I think the main reason, well, it's just my personal experience because I worked um, in a professional capacity. I worked with invertebrates, arthropods uh, for many years. And uh, whenever I told my supervisor or my colleagues in any university, I I did research in two, uh, three um, different universities. And uh, whenever I mentioned the word cockroach they immediately said no we are not we are not <laughs> going to do that we don't want any cockroaches here and there is there are two reasons i think one is uh for a research topic if you would like to do some research you need funding mm-hmm. and if you if you mention to any organization a word cockroach they immediately think that okay you are going to do something uh to come up with a way to eradicate cockroaches or kill them or something related to this um, and the other thing is that I was personally told uh, by my supervisor that he doesn't want cockroaches as model organisms for our research because uh, if we have cockroaches in the lab and then anyone in the building finds a roach, they're going to blame right. that roach on us. And of course, it really hurt my feelings. But then mm-hmm. it turned out that he was 100% right because I was doing research with firebugs. Um, these are really common in Hungary around the university building. And anytime anyone found a firebug inside the building, they always came to me. <laughs> right. And they believed that it escaped. But the reality is that they just came from outside. They just walk yeah. into the building. So that's that's the unfortunate thing that because of the perception the general perception around roaches it makes it really hard to actually study roaches because you are not going to get funding and you're going to have this type of issues that your colleagues or supervisors might not support um, Mm -hmm. this research because of these kind of things and uh, that that's why i think it might be hard for other researchers as well this is one thing and the other is uh, which is, I think, also really interesting that if you are a researcher, but uh, you don't keep these animals, then you might not have a knowledge uh, about nice. them. So, so it might be a reason that that researchers actually don't think about roaches, um, that they would be good model organisms, because I have, as I mentioned, about thirty species, and there are maybe five or six. Uh, species that you can find literature about. Uh, the other species, you might find the original article that describes this uh, species, a taxonomic mm-hmm. paper, and and that's it. And all the knowledge is came came comes from from breeders and and keepers about these animals. Like one of my favorites are uh, wood eating cockroaches. They are quite close um, to to termites, but. I can name maybe two or three people who I know and keep keeps these these roaches because, you know, everyone wants the pretty ones, <laughs> and these right, are just small brown roaches and they live inside pieces of rotten wood, so they might not be ideal for everyone, but I find them fascinating. Well, let's talk some more about about caring for cockroaches then, because you know I I think there's I don't keep cockroaches. I haven't the space. I haven't necessarily the 
<laughs> the agreement within the home that that's a thing we should do. But I, you know, it, it's it's a new world to me. So it'd be really interesting to know how you care for cockroaches and, and what it's like being a cockroach keeper. That's what we're <laughs> going to say. You know, I'm familiar with families that have dogs or guinea pigs or rabbits. Is having cockroaches, for you, do you think similar to having a dog or something? Or is it, or is it a little bit more, you know, you, you can form a relationship with a dog, right? And I can't imagine you can form a relationship with a cockroach. So is it a little bit more kind of curiosity and academic interest or is there a, a fondness there? Yeah, well, we have a cat, so I have, mm-hmm. um, so I can compare <laughs> keeping okay. roaches to, to keeping a cat because um, I've never owned a, a dog, but I think keeping a cat is quite yeah, it's comparable, right? similar in ter- terms of bonding. Um, and um, it's really interesting. I mean, I try to think about this a lot and to me, it really it isn't different uh, keeping a roach or, or keeping the cat. Obviously, I need to put more effort <laughs> into caring for a cat because a cat has um, more complex needs than a cockroach mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you need to provide enrichment for your animals. And for a roach, <laughs> even if you just... Um, collect a pine cone and, and put it in the enclosure or, I don't know, a piece of flour, that's great enrichment for the roaches because it smells different, it has a different texture, and they are happy with it. Uh, but for a cat, obviously, you need to do something more. You need to play with the cat and provide different toys. So if you like to be more involved with your pet, if, if you want like to have more of a companion, I think that, that might be yeah. the right um bird I, I think that's the main yeah. um difference um because you know if you it's not just necessarily cockroaches but if you have any type of um really with, with reptiles some reptiles um you can't really handle them or they don't really ap- appreciate you handling them uh for example i have house geckos they have such um sensitive skin and they have these uh, sticky feet they can stick to the glass so you can't really handle them because mm. uh, first of all they don't want you to handle them yeah. and second of all you can actually hurt your animals so these types of reptiles people don't really handle them that much so maybe that's uh, that's just me because that's where I'm actually coming from keeping these type of um, animals but I think roaches are, are great pets if you are just looking for an animal that you can take care of and Mm. maybe just look at them. Um, There are many roaches that you can actually handle. I know some people watch TV with their roaches. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It sounds funny. Like uh, on their lap, like a dog. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) But it's just, you know, it's really weird because just maybe two or three days ago on TikTok, I saw two people mentioning that they don't, they can't handle the criticism they get. They are getting uh, hate comments uh, for yeah. treating roaches uh, or the other girl millipedes as pets, which is, I, I've never thought that that could be a thing, that that for people, uh, they are somehow not not even animals. Like they, they really yeah. think that you shouldn't touch them, care for them. So I, I actually never thought of, of invertebrates like this so i know i'm not really i don't really handle them because i i really 
enjoy watching them. This is fulfilling for me. This is enough interaction for me that I just check on them every day, um, look at them, um, see how they are doing, what are they doing. And I know more many people like to be more uh, hands-on with their roaches and some species are absolutely fine um, if you take them out of their enclosures and um, just some people put them on the ground. <laughs> I've even seen some people building small like uh, playgrounds for the roaches. And Lovely. Yeah, they seem to be doing well with this That's sort nice. of um, enrichment. So You can't take one for a walk, though, can you, really? Yeah, and I don't think so. <laughs> no. If you're enjoying Grubbing in the Filth, come and wallow with me in the horrendous world of social media. You can follow Grubbing in the Filth on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, it's at Grubbing in the Filth. And on Twitter, it's at GITF Podcast. You can also email grubbinginthefilth at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, whether it's your own perspective, to share a story, a photo, or what have you. What does it mean to care for a cockroach? I mean, what what do you as a keeper have to, to do for them in order to keep them alive and keep them healthy and well? Well, there are many um, different species of roaches, um, mm. as I mentioned, and their needs can be uh, different. So yeah. what I'm going to say is kind of like just the general roach care, cockroach 101, <laughs> yeah. okay. uh, if you will. Um, well, first of all, you need um, something to keep your roaches in, a bin or an enclosure. It really depends uh, on uh, the keeper's preference and budget, of course, uh, because um, if you don't have a lot of money, uh, you can actually just um, make things for yourself and collect things. But uh, on the other hand, if you have the money to spend, you can buy all the things for roaches because right. uh, these type of pets are getting more and more popular. So you can get basically kits uh, for, for roaches. Uh, but you need some sort of enclosure with some ventilation on it, um, some sort of uh, substrate depending on the species because some roaches like to hide uh, in the substrate, you need that. then you need something uh, like a thicker layer of substrate. They need some surface to climb on and food, water, and basically that's it. Well, with water, you can uh, actually buy um, these water jellies now. <laughs> they sell them okay. in pet stores specifically for, for invertebrates. Um, and the same with food. They, they even sell roach food now <laughs> and, uh, and um, general like insect uh, chow, basically. <laughs> and uh, beetle jelly, which is uh, originally made uh, for beetles because they like, um, you know, soft, sweet fruits. Oh, really? I, I assumed it's made from beetles. Oh, no. <laughs> but maybe that's a thing too because now many people eat insects sure. uh, but no if if you keep uh, beetles they really like licking and and chewing on soft fruit and i guess it's because uh well, i'm not really experienced with beetles i have a few but uh i know that you need to find fruits with the appropriate consistency um, mm -hmm. so that's why um, many people just buy these pre-made jellies because um, they're so easy to feed uh, your beetles or roaches because they have the right consistency uh, they have nutrients like added vitamins minerals um, in them and nice flavoring so i also use um, these jellies i love that you said that you don't know much about beetles you only have a few i think that speaks to yeah. <laughs> quite how many invertebrates are in your home that because most people 
haven't got any Beatles. Oh, so yes. to just say you've only got a few Beatles, it's, you're not an expert, is, is that probably says something about how many other cockroaches and how many other insects you have in the house. That I have about 60 uh, invertebrate species, so right. 30 of them are roaches. So half, half roaches, half everything else. It's a lovely ratio. And, and <laughs> it, of the roaches, are there any that are like, that sort of, are there any that are particularly challenging to take care of? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, there's one species, uh, the giant cave roach. Um, this is what I think many people have difficulties and no one really knows why. Um, these guys are the longest uh, in right. the hobby. Um, well, oh, I, I, see. I wouldn't say lo- um, largest because there's uh, one other species that is heavier. But, but in terms of their full length, these guys are uh, the biggest. And they grow quite slowly and reproduce quite slowly. And as far as I know, um, we don't really know what they would require to do better. So, for example, I have a friend who works in a zoo and takes care of a large population of these roaches. And he mentioned, for example, that um, these roaches are doing well. And at one point, their population, the group, just, just crashes. And you don't really have many offsprings and the adults start dying. And many people who I talk to about these roaches noticed the same thing and <laughs> they are my they are my favorites mm-hmm. um and uh, these are the roaches i check on every day basically because because i'm really as i mentioned i love my roaches but these guys are my absolute favorites and um i just want them to do well but we don't really know what we could do <laughs> to actually sure. prevent them uh from from crashing or 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 dying basically these might be one of those cockroaches that a lot of people, because a lot of people when they think of a cockroach will be imagining the is it the German cockroach, the the ones that you see in you know films and things. But this, the giant cave cockroach, it's got this wonderful sort of has it got a see through shell basically. Yes, it's it's a lovely thing to look at, and I know that you get a lot of again a lot of other cockroaches have really beautiful coloration and there's shiny green ones and all that kind of business. Yes. But it's, it's nice to hear you talking about your favourite being quite a hefty, heavy, brown, sturdy cockroach. It's it's nice that, it's well, it's interesting, I guess, that your favourites aren't necessarily the ones that are the pretty ones that people might say, oh, no, there are pretty cockroaches. Look at these nice, shiny ones and stuff like that. Yeah, see, I, <laughs> I feel really bad because I don't even have the green ones. <laughs> and everyone asks about the green ones all the time. And people message me asking if I have any, uh, any of them for sale or if I know uh, about keeping them. And of course, I know how to keep them because I have similar species, but they are black and no one wants a black cockroach. Right. <laughs> they are really just uh, really similar species. The color is different. And it's really interesting to see how much of a difference does it make for people that if if you have two similar look, looking roaches, one of them is just this shiny emerald green, and the other one um, is fully black, and no one wants the black ones. They yeah. are half half the price, and their care is basically the same. But I chose the black ones um, to buy when I had the chance to choose between the two species uh, because I think they're prettier. That's okay. <laughs> that's that's the truth. Um, but yeah, my, my most favorite roaches, if, if I have to, you know, choose my, my top three or even 
even top 10, I guess, all of them are brown. <laughs> <laughs> just, just brown roaches. You mentioned that in your university, you get blames for the firebugs turning up and things. And there's yeah. always this risk of escape and stuff. And with cockroaches being animals that are, you know, they like to hide away in the dark, or at least some of them do, I guess. Have you had any uh, any escapes within the house? Yes, all the time. <laughs> right. And how, how does that but, go? Yeah, but I have to mention that it's not like... Um, so if you keep roaches as pets, there's really a small chance that any of them escapes. But as I mentioned, I have reptiles and... Um, oh, of course. I have to feed my reptiles. So for example, my chameleon eats roaches and my lizards and geckos, they eat roaches. And uh, I have kids, two small kids, and they always want to help me feed the reptiles. And the way these roaches escape is um, that my kids help me. And of course, they are small. My son is four years old and my daughter is one and a half. Uh, but they really want to like take um, the tweezers and pick up the roaches. And of course, they drop the roaches like seven nice. out of ten times. <laughs> uh, but they really like, you know, helping. Um, and that's how my roaches escape. And of course I can't always like, I am not going to drop my kids to just go after a roach because I know they are going to turn up. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so that's how, um, they escape. But the important thing is that they won't be able to, uh, just breed in, in the house outside of their, um, just little terrarium that I set up for them. So when I have an escape roach, my main concern is the safety of the roach, because I know if I don't find them soon, they, they are going to die without their, their special diet and special environmental needs. Um, so I always make an effort to actually find them because I know if I don't, they are just going to die. Uh, but these species that we as hobbyists keep in our homes, well, most of them, uh, won't be able to just stay alive even, uh, let alone uh, breed successfully in a home environment. I know some right. people keep American roaches or, or German roaches, like the ones that we have as pests, because it might, <laughs> it might sound silly to, to you or, or to any of the listeners, but there are... Um, color varieties within roaches okay. and there are some people who collect different color varieties of roaches and the american cockroach is one of these examples that you can have black ones and i believe they called venom uh morph or, or color variant and i know that many people are into these roaches but i don't keep uh any of the pest species basically on purpose because uh because I have an animal room and I have the right conditions uh, inside the animal room uh, for uh, American or German roaches. And obviously any right, of my you. family members, so they are not really into animals like me. Um, mm. And I have to, you know, keep them in mind as well, that they wouldn't really appreciate roaches running around the house. No, so if anyone would be interested in keeping roaches, but would be afraid that it would infest the house. You just need to um, choose the right species, like um, the hissing roaches. They're really popular ones, especially with kids, because they're so you know, calm and slow-moving. Uh, they just wouldn't be able to stay alive because they need high humidity. So they would definitely die within a few days if, if any of them escapes. Your 
you have two young kids and children often are a bit interested in insects and things when they're very little. And then as they get older, they, they learn that they're not meant to like insects and they learn that spiders are scary and they, they learn these things. And a lot of our insect fears come from there. Having so many insects and, and cockroaches in the house, how do your children feel about insects more broadly? Yes, it's um, unfortunately it's true what what you've said that I I do think that children like all kinds of animals just the same, but then they learn from from other people uh, that you need to just um, stay away, away from these animals or even harm them, and this is exactly yeah. what happened to my son, for example. Um, so, off, just shortly after he was born, uh, I had. I started to <laughs> to get roaches again, um, so he basically grew up with with animals and especially roaches uh, around him. But um, just uh, when he started going to the daycare, one day he came home and uh, stepped on a bug uh, in front of her house, right. and I was like shocked <laughs> because I I had no idea why he would do that. And then it the next day it turned out that one of um, his uh, caregivers in the daycare. Um, squashed uh, some bugs uh, that uh, got uh, inside the building and told the kids that these are like stinky and uh, filthy animals and you need to squash them because they're going to crawl around your clothes and everything. And this was about two years ago. And sometimes he still mentions that when, when he sees a bug. And this nice. is especially frustrating because uh, for, for many years I worked with bugs uh, and uh, I always showed him these bugs. So even mm. when he was just a baby, <laughs> these were the first animals that I showed him and talked about um, these animals, how awesome they are. They have a personality and social behavior and uh, just morphological differences between male and female. So <laughs> he should know more about these animals than anyone else I know because I always <laughs> talked about these insects yeah. to him. But this really strong... Uh, reaction from his caregiver somehow uh, had uh, like a bigger impact on him mm. uh, than all the things that that I've said. Uh, so obviously, it's it's kind of a thing that can be undone uh, because uh, I had to, you know, constantly repeat that that because our animals aren't harmful, we shouldn't hurt them, um, they're nice animals, look, they are just doing their things, we are not going to hurt yeah. them. Uh, and still, of course, he doesn't hurt animals, but um, it's still a thing that I had to constantly work on, and I had to remind him that we don't hurt <laughs> these animals, they are of not course. like stinky, filthy, something. But if there isn't a person in a children's life that uh, that uh, who's going to just give these reminders or this extra information, then that kid is going to grow up and and do this in the adult life, I, I think. But of course, it's just my opinion, but that's what I see with um, the other kids um, because he's now in kindergarten and it really does make a difference what a parent or a caregiver or teacher um, says to the kids about these animals because that's how how they learn. 100%. I think a lot of children are more forgiving towards insects and things, specifically insects and spiders, until 
grown-ups tell them otherwise. And I think children have the capacity to be really, really interested in these animals. A lot of people I talk to say the reason they are, that they became scientists or that they have learnt to love insects and spiders and invertebrates is because of seeing them in the garden when they were kids and it was so interesting. And then that is something that, that grown-ups who in their turn have learnt not to like these animals, they pass on that message that these are disgusting or they are harmful and you know generally speaking they're not and it is is a shame so I think that things I think it's getting better actually but I think that things like having someone in their life who does care for insects and who is an expert in insects can be a really valuable thing for children yes um, I agree Um, that's why I I just realized this <laughs> with my own kids since I have kids. Mm. And so that's why I'm trying to put more effort in educating people, especially children. So, for example, just next week, I'm going to um, give a presentation in a summer camp uh, for okay. kids about insects in general. And, uh, of course, I'm going to show, some, um, show them some roaches because, honestly, I, I felt the need to, to do this because... Mm. Um, I think I've been living in sort of my own world, like like in a bubble, because yeah. uh, for a really long time, I really didn't realize how people think about roaches or, or insects in general, because I was just doing my own thing in the pet store. And then at the university, I was the only one with my supervisor, of course, uh, doing this type of work and others uh, are working with um, birds mainly. So I really didn't hear other people's thoughts and opinions uh, until my kids came. And uh, of course, I got to meet parents, um, um, daycare and in um, the kindergarten. And of course, when they ask what I'm doing, I, yeah, you can imagine, <laughs> you can okay. imagine to, the faces. So, so yeah, this is absolutely true. And that's, that's why I'm trying to do my best to, to educate people I, of course, I don't expect people love roaches, but I think if they would just uh, know a bit more about them, then they wouldn't be scared. Maybe because I know some people are even scared of roaches, especially there's there's yeah. even a meme going on about flying roaches <laughs> because yeah. they do. There are some flying roaches. And so I know that people actually, some people actually find them scary even. And is there, as someone who, I mean, you said that maybe you didn't come across it too much, but I think a lot of people that keep spiders or keep snakes quite like the fact that they are frightening animals to other people and quite like the fact that it makes them feel kind of powerful that they can have these animals that scare other people. And I wondered if you, do you enjoy the fact they shock other people or do you, or is that frustrating to you? Yeah, it's, yeah, to me, I I know that there are some people, especially with snakes, tarantulas and scorpions, uh, I mean, I'm not going to like, I'm not trying to shame the keepers of mm. these animals, but when I worked in pet stores, there were this really specific customer who really wanted to have an animal just to flex basically to show yeah. everyone that they have a dangerous, scary animal. And this was really common. And these people always wanted either a snake, a big tarantula or a really big scorpion, <laughs> just some of these three. Uh, but to me, it's quite the opposite. And uh, I really didn't notice for this for a long time. But since we live in a house with my husband, uh, his friends um, come quite often and um, or even new people because he is doing um, 
YouTube and, and podcast full time. And uh, many new people come to our home um, to do recordings with him. And they have to go through my animal room to get into my husband's studio. And so I have these really like new people <laughs> coming to yeah. our home and asking questions. And uh, for a very long time, I was afraid even to to say what's in really? the boxes okay. because of course they see the chameleon and oh yeah that's cute exotic pet it's really interesting but what's in the all those boxes because mm. you know i have like <laughs> six terrariums and like 60 or 70 or more <laughs> boxes and uh but what i've learned that that people's reactions are actually positive so i i was shocked because i thought that everyone will think that i'm crazy well i might be i don't know but <laughs> but i was afraid of people's reaction and yeah. i've never for a long time i never actually said what's in the boxes if they they asked the question i was oh well in insects i've never yeah. used the word roaches but then it turned out that actually these these are adults of course and even they are get get excited like like kids when they get candy yes. so they get excited really roaches what kind of are all these roaches how many and what type and what do you feed them and so people actually most people i i think uh are excited about these animals because this is quite uncommon to to see these type of animals especially because if you go to a zoo uh there aren't many insect exhibits if you don't go to to a special like insect or arthropod zoo. So uh, I didn't realize this for a long time that people don't actually have the chance to see these animals, course, especially yeah. because even if you go to an um, exotic animal expo, there are quite few people selling these kind of animals. And most of my collection are from, from breeders uh, from different countries. So they came by the mail. <laughs> um, right, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So they are really some of them um, are are quite special. So so yeah, that's that's also a thing that I didn't think about in the past. That this is actually I'm I'm quite privileged to to be actually able to see these animals or or, or keep them as pets because um, it's it's quite uncommon and some species are actually hard to get. So for example, those uh, Australian uh, rhinoceros roaches, <laughs> I've, I've wanted to keep them for, for many years. The, they are the holy grails for roach keepers. And right. uh, finally, a friend of mine offered to put my name on the waiting list for, for the baby. So it's really like, <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but not that crazy because, because I know people do this with dogs They're for, for specific breeds in kennels that are, their waiting list, but there's a waiting list for roaches too. So I'm, I'm no, I, I don't think it's crazy at all. I think it's wonderful. I think it's fantastic. I'd love to, you know, I, I, it's not a setup I've got in my home, but I think the idea of, I think your enthusiasm about them is, is brilliant. And I, I, if other people wanted to kind of, I know you have some some YouTube content and stuff like that. So if other people did want to have a look at some of these animals and learn a bit about them, maybe some of them speak Hungarian, maybe some of them don't. Um, where can people go to kind of find what you're putting out about your about your insects? Well, I try my best to do more content because people actually seem to be interested uh, in in watching videos about roaches. So that's why I have. Uh, YouTube channel uh, in Hungarian and in English as well. And I haven't posted regularly. 
Um, but uh, that's that's the plan because my daughter <laughs> starts daycare in September, and then this is going to be basically my full time job, uh, okay. caring for these animals and and making content about them because I think they deserve a better reputation. So if anyone yeah, wants agree. to learn more about roaches, uh, they can message me anytime. I am on TikTok and Instagram, um, and I have these two YouTube channels. So if anyone wants to see videos in Hungarian, I post um, Hungarian content on YouTube and uh, I post in English on Instagram, TikTok and on my English YouTube channel. But I'm always happy to answer direct messages even on Instagram or Facebook if if anyone needs any sort of help or information. Fantastic. And I can, I can put the links to, to some of those things in the in the episode description. Oh, what's cockroach in Hungarian, by the way? Chotan. I won't try and pronounce it, but it's uh, <laughs> a, a lovely one. You can now make donations to help offset the running costs of this podcast. If you're enjoying Giving the Folk, I want to make a donation, like a benevolent Victorian. You can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash rubbingcast. But you can also write a brief message if you so wish. Any donations are truly appreciated. I wanted to ask, because I know that your your academic work with cockroaches, um, and there's a video of you speaking about this, is to do with, with personality. And you mentioned briefly perception of personality in insects. And I was wondering, has your study of insects on a kind of academic level, away from being an insect keeper, has that impacted how you see your, your pets around the house? Well, this is also an interesting question because... Uh, for many people, the I don't know the idea that that the animal that they are working with is quite quite a complex or interesting organism comes when they are studying that animal mm-hmm. uh, as a scientist. But for me, it was kind of the other way around that I found found these animals really interesting and exciting, and that's why I wanted to study them. So of course, insects in general are really really exciting. And um, when I started learning about um, just animal behavior in general and then about social behavior and animal personality, uh, to me, everything I've learned was not like a new thing. Like I, mm. I, I've never felt that, oh my God, I've discovered something. Uh, it was like, oh yeah, I knew that. Now it's here's kind of like some supporting information about something that I kind of new all along uh which is not a thing i think that uh, that many scientists do because uh at least the scientists i know uh they just have a specific research question in mind and then they find an organism that they can study and get an answer to their questions uh but to me uh when i went and looking for a research topic uh, for my thesis, I went to the zoology department, I went to see the head of the department, and I told him that I want to work with insects. Please give me something with insects. <laughs> and uh, he offered me uh, this uh, the topic of um, animal personality in firebugs. And that's how I actually got started. And to me, it was like when when he told me that he's doing personality research on just you know a bug i wasn't 
I didn't felt surprised. I thought, oh, okay, that's really interesting. And when I started to dig into the literature on animal personality, when you read a paper, it usually starts with that something like the, this in the introduction that scientists for a very long time thought that uh, animals just adjust their behavior to uh, their environment and the situation and uh, what they thought was noise, just noise in the data. Turns out that there's actually behavioral difference. And to me, I, when the first time I, I read that, I thought, why, why did they think this? Why, why did they thought that animals are that like flexible? And why did they think they are all the same? How, how can you expect them to be all the same? And of course, when I've, I've started learning more about animal behavior and evolutionary biology in general, I understood uh, why they thought, because that, that would be the optimal way for an animal mm. to work, to be able to adjust their behavior to any situation. And this is why I think animal personality research is so exciting. There's always a lot of debate going on about, you know, specific terms and how we view this whole phenomenon, basically. Uh, but there are many ideas why animals might have personalities, uh, but there isn't as far as I know, especially with, with insects, uh, there isn't anything like uh, etched in stone, like like concrete thing that, okay, this, this is the truth. This is how all this is. Um, that's why I find it really exciting because I can combine the two things that I find most fascinating, behavior and um, arthropods. And now as... Um, kind of like a freelance scientist. I don't know what to call myself because I'm <laughs> I'm a PhD candidate, of course, at the University of Debrecen, but I'm not a student anymore. I'm not getting a salary anymore. Um, but I've started uh, working with uh, cockroaches as sort of a side project I wanted to incorporate uh, later uh, in my PhD. But as the funding ran out, um, I'm now I'm doing this just... For fun, <laughs> I guess, uh, but of course not just for my own amusement. Uh, mm -hmm. But I know that there are people out there who are working with roaches and are interested in this topic. So basically, I'm just doing this um, for the community, I guess. Absolutely, because obviously, when we talk about personality in animals, we we don't mean personality maybe in exactly the same way we mean it when we describe people, right? It's a, it's kind of different. The idea to me that that animals don't have I don't think I don't think this is a controversial thing to say, but that animals don't have individual personalities is, is quite I almost wonder if, if believing they don't is a way of making the world feel less cruel. Because obviously animals die and things suffer and we we kill animals and people eat animals. And to believe that animals do have personalities in a way that humanizes is the wrong word. We know they're not humans, but to acknowledge that animals have personalities could be quite overwhelming, maybe. Yes, absolutely. Especially if if we think about roaches, you know, there are businesses <laughs> that that uh, make profit by by killing roaches, and you know, that's why maybe it's easier to think that these are just like. Tiny machines yeah. set out to like infest our homes and eat our food. Um, but yeah, obviously, if you think 
if you say personality in an animal, especially in an insect, it's it's quite a simple thing. It basically means uh, that there are consistent differences between these the individuals within a species, and these differences uh, are consistent over time and between different contexts. So, for example, in a, when an animal is feeding, uh, or when there's a predator approaching, so they have quite um, so they have this consistent behavior uh, and this consistent difference uh, between the individuals, uh, which is, I, I know that it can be a bit hard to grasp mm-hmm. um, because when we think about personality in, in humans, that it's really kind of a different concept. Uh, but still, if, if, you, <laughs> if you spend 10 years of your life like me <laughs> looking <laughs> at insects and what they are, they are doing, you can actually... Uh, even notice differences between the individuals even by looking at them so for example i've done some studies on my my own insects just just because i wanted to you know understand what they are doing and i i could see this with with my own animals that you know if you look at roaches they are all alike if you if you have 10 roaches they kind of look exactly the same but based on their behavior i could tell the difference between them because because i knew that that one of the individuals always does that and the other always does another thing. Uh, but of course, this is just like highly unscientific. <laughs> and, but what I did, I actually marked my roaches so I, with, with a colored um, pen, uh, a marker, and I put some dots on them. And this is what actually turned out to be the truth, that what I thought is a different individual was indeed a different individual and I could nice. track what they are doing. So they, they behave in separate ways, kind of. So a certain a certain individual cockroach will have preferences for how it acts, and it will it will do things differently. Yes, absolutely. Do you know what? When I talk to people about insects, the ones that I always really enjoy are the ones that are those insects that maybe people are commonly revolted by, or the insects that have a bad name. So it's 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 always a pleasure to hear about about cockroaches. It's it's been really really interesting and eye-opening to, to hear you speak about them so eloquently i wondered before before i let you go and thank you again for speaking with me i always wonder because there's there's so many questions we have about animals and so many things that we don't know yet and that would be almost impossible to know right because yeah studying these creatures is is they are so separate to us and so distant from us that learning about them is quite abstract and strange sometimes but I wondered if you could, you know, a magic spell gets cast and you mm-hmm. can ask your cockroaches a question or you could just, you, you can discover something about what it's like to be a cockroach or what cockroaches are up to, you know, the, a, a great truth about cockroaches that we don't know yet. What would it be that you'd most want to know? Well, what I'm really most interested in about roaches and like, from from a scientific point of view in general, um, there's always a debate of how we defined sociability or or, or just social nice. behavior in animals, especially insects. We don't really know because, as you previously mentioned, if you find a bunch of roaches in one place, uh, we don't. So there can be many reasons why they are together in a group. There might be because it's warm there, because there's food there. Uh, but what true social behavior would be 
is that they would be together because they prefer to be together. They they like the company of, of others. They require the company. Uh, it's it's better for them to be with others versus being alone. Uh, so if I could talk to any roach <laughs> and they would understand what I'm asking, I really, really wanted to know if if they truly like each other. So if if they choose to be together because they want to be together, uh, I really want would want to know why 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 is that because of course there are many theories and um explanations why nymphs would aggregate or if there's a food source of course but in many cases uh there isn't just a good explanation like an alternative explanation except that they are together because they feel safer or or it's better for them but of course we don't know that for sure this is just speculation uh until we can just tell otherwise. Uh, if I could talk to roaches, this this is what I would really want to know. Well, you know, fingers crossed. We create <laughs> some kind of special machine, and and it's possible. Um, yeah. But but not for a while yet. But that's a, that's a lovely answer. And thank you so much for speaking to me, today, Melinda. It's been wonderful to to hear about all the cockroaches and all the goings on of the cockroaches. Um, and yeah, I'd recommend people again have a look at the episode description where I'll leave the links to your YouTube channel and stuff like that and go and have a look at these animals because like we've said so many times these are animals that get a very bad rap and are stereotyped to a degree but they are interesting and they are exciting so I'd yes, recommend everyone to go out and, and learn about more about the cockroach but Melinda thank you so much for speaking to me thank you so much I'm always happy to talk about roaches <laughs> of course thank you thank you so much for having me Grubbing in the Filth was written and produced by me, Tom Sharp, with music by Will Hatton. Well, thanks again to Melinda. You can find Grubbing in the Filth on Twitter, at GITF Podcast, or Instagram, at Grubbing in the Filth. You can also email grubbinginthefilth at gmail.com. Thank you.